also Dimple. What do you think of the clothes on the show so far? I'm digging the girls at the high school. Even Fabiola? Yes, even Fabiola. She looks super cute in that body contrast. But Mohan the Zaddy looks really good in pants. And Paxson Hall Yoshida looks great in his swim uniform. And just jeans. Right. Um, but back to Fab. Would she ever wear a body contrast? I mean, it fits her really nicely. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't fit her character. Yeah, maybe not. But she's a great friend. And speaking of great friends, what about Eleanor's eclectic mad style? Remember that flapper outfit in the first episode? And all of those scarves. Yes, I like Davy's clothes too. They're cute, but they're not like too casual. Almost contempo casual. Davy did have a good eye when Rebecca asked her for help, though. Yeah, Kamala's super cute, too. I do want to see what outfit she pairs those thigh-high boots with, though. The ones that Davy borrowed? Hashtag deep cuts. Don't sleep on Nalini, though. Her clothes are bomb. Remember that white jacket she wore to the hospital? Yes. I already ordered it online. Well... I can't wait for the next episode so I can see more cuteness. Um, I don't mean to let you down. What? This episode is all about Ben, and I don't mean Kenobi or Solo. What? What the hell? I don't care about his outfits. Ooh, maybe we can see more of his girlfriend. Well, maybe. But for now, never have I ever been the loneliest boy in the world. Welcome back to Late Bloomers, the web series, the podcast. I'm Pooja and she's Rashi. Today we're talking about Netflix's Never Have I Ever Been the Loneliest Boy in the World, written by Aaron Geary and Ben Steiner, who also serve as story editors and directed by Kabir Akhtar. Rashi, did your parents show up to all of your school events? The important ones they did? My mom showed up to all of the important ones. Some of them, you know, are ones that aren't really for your parents, so they didn't show up to, like, UIL. But my yeah. dad definitely didn't. But he had a job where he traveled a lot, so if he was able to come, it was something really special. Yeah, my uh, parents worked, so school events, they, it was rare that they could get the time off to attend. But they did make it two important things, they always either drop me off or pick me up. So they were there for that aspect of it. So it's not like they weren't active in that part of my life. They just had things to do. Now we cut to the cold open where Andy Samberg is the narrator. We see that this episode is entirely from Ben's point of view. And Ben is getting ready for the second day of the UN. And this is when you know, the morning after when Davy wakes up a little ashy and has all these texts from Paxton. Uh, so Ben, not realizing anything has happened, goes into the Model UN room ready to go through things the way they had discussed the night before and feels very betrayed by Davy. So now they're on the bus ride home, which they admit is a six-hour bus ride. He has left his AirPods in the hotel and Mr. Shapiro sits down next to him with egg salad and two spoons and was like, 
Hey, buddy, looks like you need a seat, buddy. How old is this egg salad, may I ask? Because it was an overnight trip. We both made note that this man is the type to bring his own Tupperware with him. Was there a fridge in that hotel room? Why? Where did this exile come from? The kids didn't have a chance to change out of their UN clothes. <laughs> it's definitely packed and brought with him. So looking at his bag, I don't know that any of those bags have um, a cooler or anything of that. So this is just nasty. This is going to be nasty all the way around. Yeah. Ben arrives home and just as he opens the front door and comes in, his mother is leaving for a self-actualization retreat so she can work on being a better mom. And this is in Santa Barbara. He asks whether or not this wasn't something else. And she said, no, you're mixing it up with the mindfulness seminar in Santa Clara. (laughs) (laughs) And being the obtuse mom that she is, she's like, oh, you had a debate tournament. Did you get an A? And he's about to correct her, but he says, you know what? Yeah, mom, I did. And she says, oh, that's so great. When when I get back, we should definitely celebrate with a mother-son sound bath. Which sounds as gross as a regular mother-son bath, in my opinion. <laughs> so we see Ben's life at home. Andy Sandberg is letting us know that Ben is a lonely boy, despite what he projects at school. And we see a montage. And may I just say, the music in this episode has been is spectacular. The zit that's been forming is getting a little bit more pronounced. So we see that Ben spends his time making comments on message boards, the SNL message board. He also plays video games and he's outside playing basketball alone very poorly. And the only company he has is Patty, his housekeeper, who comes and claps as he's playing video games on the couch. Then we see <laughs> we see Ben goes to bed. He has a really good nighttime routine, I think. And he has really good sleep hygiene because he goes to bed. He texts his dad, very excited about the Clippers game with him, his dad, and his girlfriend tomorrow. Dad texts back immediately, me too, son. So he goes to bed in as good a mood as he woke up. Did you catch what his name was on Reddit? I did. Ariola Grande 007. (laughs) (laughs) So very clearly he is a teenage boy. He's a teenage boy in that, but he came home dressed as if he was home from a seven-day business trip. And that might just have to do with the formality of his family looking at their house, like how beautiful it is and how it's it's really like a fucking museum. There's there's nothing in there. It's just furniture and it's clean as hell. Hollow almost, even though it has things in it. I mean, I guess now is the time when we realize that Ben doesn't have siblings. His only company during his time away is the housekeeper. And she seems very indulgent you know to him because she understands how lonely he is you know maybe because of how um, absent his parents are so far in this maybe they didn't even want to have kids but maybe they did out of obligation so you can squeeze out one and do the uh, one and done now we got an an heir or it's 
to be relevant in social circles because if their peers are having kids and their peers, you know, are in the industry or are rich socialites, you know, blah, 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 then they would have a kid so they could continue to, you know, be friends with those influential people. That's mm-hmm. how they seem to me. Yeah. We'll see if they show up any, any more in the series and if they get developed any further. So this is where we learn that Ben does not have any friends at school. He used to have two friends, but they ended up going to different high schools. And now he only has his girlfriend's friends. And we get to meet this little crew of girls and they, I wouldn't call them friends, (laughs) to be (laughs) honest. So Shira bails on him because she's going to a brow sculpting pop-up with her girlfriends. Um, They look like they're all kind of wannabe Instagram influencers one of her friends makes a comment that the term curvy is insulting because she's a size zero and her friend co-signs this and is like yeah even as a double zero I feel insulted by this I don't know what that was supposed to accomplish I know it's like Andy Samberg just said that the friends were terrible and then we see them being terrible I get that but I don't know the purpose of it like why not just cast a curvy girl or you know a thick girl or god forbid an actual fat girl to be in high school and being body positive god forbid anyway i think it's time to call out ben for him making himself lonely in a sense like he didn't make an effort to make any more friends and is fine Mm -hmm. with having to be around this conversation i think that this is kind of if I'm remembering properly to high school, just like a teenager quality where you're like, God, I don't have anyone. And your best friends are like, what the hell? I'm right here. Like, you're just lonely because you're pining over that guy and he's not interested in you. So you're not actually lonely. You are making yourself lonely. So he's got this girlfriend, but, you know, he's not bothering to find any other types of friendship, which I don't know for males. I find that to be kind of weird because you know, like you don't have a group that you go to the gym with or that you play basketball with after work or that you game with. Like, because he has all the same activities that many kids his age do. He just doesn't do them with other kids his age, right? Right. He's friends with Pickle Rick 69 on the Rick and Morty chat board, chat board, message board. <laughs> In the so, AOL uh, chat room? Beep, boop, beep. Okay, so Shira eschews these plans that have been laid for two months now so ben gets desperate and he approaches trenton market who he says he's known since kindergarten and asks if one of them would like to go to the game with him and they were like this is weird you never speak to us but let us know if you don't want to go and we'll take the tickets and go with your dad Ben walks away and he sees Davey talking to Paxton and we know from the last episode what that conversation was. I really liked that interaction with Trent and Marcus because it was so it was like a little bit too real where they're like, yeah, we're not even really friends with you. (laughs) And he was like, well, this could be that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, And they were like, "Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I I thought that was real mean, but but really funny at, at Ben's expense. So we can see that Ben is starting to kind of unravel. And now they're at lunch. Shira is not paying him any attention. He's trying to be in the moment, trying to pep himself up. She jumps on his lap, 
puts a french fry in his mouth tries to take a bite and then asks if he can pop if she can pop the zit that's getting ever so big but she doesn't because she gets a text as he's walking to history classes andy sandberg tells us <laughs> yeah so he i guess she just squeezes it to worse of a head and then leaves yeah. it there so it's even more disgusting he walks over to chemistry class that kid eric who was being a real snot in the uh, orchestra scene is still being problematic here he's asking if he can go to the nurse's office because he drank some bad milk and this exchange i thought was actually kind of funny the way he was talking about the bad milk and she was like how did you know it was bad and he was like it smelled bad and then it tasted bad and it tasted worse on the second class (laughs) (laughs) this was this was objectively very funny it could have been any other student but the same guy talking about bodily functions but maybe that's his running gag was also funny later on in the science experiment when it comes out like a solid foam tube shape thing. And he was like, Miss Maloma, that's going to be me if you don't give me a pass to the nurse right now. I <laughs> died. <laughs> and then there's a little exchange that happens here between Davy and Ben in between the uh, milk jokes. He turns around, calls her David, and you know brags about going to the Clippers game tonight, even though he has nobody to go with. Finds out that she is pissed at him. He, he doesn't really get why, because she's never said it to him. And also, he doesn't know that she hasn't slept with Paxton before. <laughs> but he was like, you blabbed to everyone that I slept with Paxton. And he was like, what? why would Paxton be mad about that? Like, so now you already see that he sees Davy as more than what Davy sees Davy. And she tells him to keep his nose out of her business and back up the teacher's butt where it belongs. And then Ben, subconsciously or unconsciously, starts staring down Paxton in the hallway until Paxton notices it. And we get a voiceover from Andy Samberg saying that Paxton is the type of guy that makes every other guy jealous and that he got pit hair in the fourth grade that's intimidating i guess so when paxton does come up to ben and challenges you know why are you staring at me ben's like i don't know i'm not staring at you clippers game clippers game and then escapes down the hallway in a Mm -hmm. fit of awkwardness now there is a moment where he's asking himself if paxton hurts baby like why why does he care why is he why is this a a bother to him um so he's trying to process those feelings as well i guess this is happening Mm. ben is home sitting in the gigantic entryway waiting for his dad so they can go to the clippers game he receives a text two hours before the game his dad tells him that this deal with kanye is very complicated can you and shannon go to the game without me ben goes through multiple drafts of this text before he sends it back. So first his, that sucks, can you cancel? And he deletes that because he knows that's not going to fly. Then he goes with typical, and her name is Shira in all caps. Deletes that and finally settles on, we will, good luck with work. That's kind of reminiscent of how he handled his mom, right? When she mistook Model UN for debate and asked if he got an A, Mm-hmm. And he doesn't correct her and he doesn't ruffle his dad's feathers here. Kanye's deal was that he wanted to trademark the word music. <laughs> ben goes to see Patty. She's ironing his socks for the game. 
he tells her his dad has to work late. He has stuff to do. Workaholism runs in the family. And Patty, to her credit, knows what's up. And she's like, oh, do you want me to stay and build a fort in the living room and we can watch a scary movie like Shrek? <laughs> and Ben says, no, it's okay. Gives the tickets to her and her son. She's like, we can go to the game together. I can take frozen grapes. And he's like, no, 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 just take your son. She takes the tickets and she's very excited. Later on in the evening, we see Ben liking Shira's post about her eyebrows on Instagram. Hashtag the future is female. <laughs> and then he sees a clip of the Clippers game where Billy Crystal is eating nachos and sharing them with Patty, who's sharing her frozen grapes with him, too. <laughs> Also, the zit from the second morning of the Model UN is getting bulbous and radiating at this point. Ben is back at the message boards and somebody from the Rick and Morty subreddit, specifically Pickle Rick 69, asks if he's in L.A. And I was like, danger, Will Robinson, danger. And then invites him to go meet him at a pizza joint using phrases such as LMAO, same, yo, come through. Because in the show, the people, the characters read their own texts, right? So they, they do that narration. And at this point, I'm wondering if this is a Canadian. I thought maybe it was a teenage boy. Everything seemed just a little off. But mm-hmm. then Ben shows up to the pizza joint and <laughs> it's a 50-year-old man it's this pickle rick his real name is rick 69 because that was the year he was born he he emotionally manipulates ben into staying saying he's lonely he's really into cartoons rick and morty also have an age gap look at the fun they get into and then ben who smartly withholds his name who sat down, felt pity for this guy, takes a slice of pizza, and then Creepy McCreeper Pickle Rick 69 <laughs> like blow on it. No longer. And Ben and Andy Samberg both get the hell up out of that pizza joint. Oh boy. So now we move to an even sadder montage than the first one. And we see Ben just kind of like checking out of everything. He goes to his room and he's looking for a shirt and he pretty much trashes his room, which is pretty sad because it's Patty that's going to have to fold all that <laughs> shit up and put it back away. <laughs> she probably tired from hanging out with Billy Crystal. There's a scene with Shira and, you know, he's completely tuned out there. He gets a hundred on a test and he's completely tuned out there. Ben is later walking down the hall and Trent just ups and slaps him open hand across the face <laughs> and tells him that he thinks that he saved him because he thought that that was a roach on his face and that the school has a roach problem. <laughs> Trent is a hot mess, but it does inspire Ben to go to the dermatologist and the dermatologist everybody knows in Sherman Oaks is Dr. Nalini Vishwakumar. So he's in the office getting treated by her and she's thanking him for being, you know, the the motivation for Davy to be kept on her toes. And she has to hear every night about the rivalry. And then Ben is kind of shook that, wait, you guys have dinner every night? 
And she's like, yeah, we're a family. And so right when she's giving him a cortisone shot, he starts to cry. And it's not the most believable of cries, but Nalini's reaction was at first, oh my God, no more non-name brand nummy cream. (laughs) (laughs) And now we move forward to dinner at the Vishwakumar household where Kamala is teaching Davy how to cook. And Davy's over here rolling her eyes. Nalini walks in and announces that they have a special guest for dinner and says, Kamala, please lower the spice level accordingly. (laughs) And behind her, Ben walks in and Davy yells, oh, hell no. So Davy and her mother go upstairs and have a conversation that carries down to the kitchen. And Ben hears every second of everything that's being said. And about Davy arguing why he's here. And the audience knows at this point, Davy can't tell her mom why she's pissed at him, right? Because then she's going to get in trouble. But she's just like, why is he here? And Kumla drops a pot lid that does not do the ricochet fall. <laughs> <laughs> so it's this awkward moment where she has, she, she notes that, hey, I thought that's, that would have drowned it out. It should have gone longer. And the final argument you hear Nalini telling Davy he's nice and smart and he would never buy drugs because he looks like a narc. And, and Kamala's like, well, at least you're nice and smart. And Ben's like, but I look like a narc. And then Kamala, always the silver lining, goes, that's a good thing because the police won't just work with anyone. As we get to the table, we see that they are having dosa for dinner. It looks like they folded it in half, so it looks like an Indian taco. (laughs) (laughs) This family only eats tacos. Davy's being passive-aggressive at dinner, saying that her home, what she thought was a safe haven from her nemesis. And Nalini finally incentivizes her politeness by telling her that if she doesn't behave, she's going to fall off of the family cell phone plan. Then she quizzes her on, what did you learn today? And Davy explains to her the tangent of theta. And Kamla says, if you forget your wallet at the grocery store, the cashier will pay for your groceries and then give you their phone number so you can let them know if you got home okay. <laughs> She's so dumb and so cute. I love it. And Ben um, tells them about the model UN trip. And he's got such a fantastic opportunity to burn Davy here. But... Instead, he dials it back and he calls her a firecracker and said that she obliterated the competition. Um, And they kind of share a look. So we know that he knows that he had the power to do it and he didn't. And she does, too. Nalini starts to talk about her extracurricular activities when she was in school. And she says that was bathing her senile grandmother who fought her every time. (laughs) Um, I think the sound drops out at this point. We just see images of them like laughing and having a good time together. And Ben's last family dinner was 2018. He takes a bite of that dosa and it is too hot. And he immediately goes for that water and starts to chug. Kamla was specifically telling Davy, only add one chili. (laughs) Otherwise it'll overpower the flavor. Oh my gosh. Now we come to what I feel is the best acted scene in the whole episode. Davy and Ben are cleaning up because I guess, yes, we're doing this. 
So Davy thanks him for not nuking her like she nuked Model UN. And she actually acknowledges that she's been being a dick to him lately. She asks, point blank, asks him, why were you crying? Or was it because of that herpy on your face? And he said, yo, I was sad. I'm being vulnerable here. And he was really honest about how he's lonely. And there was a cute little back and forth about her saying, you, you know, what, your butler quit? And he's like, no, those are called house managers now. Get with the program. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's that rich. He uses an NBA metaphor to explain what his life is like. And Davey goes, use something in my wheelhouse, like celebrity gossip or YouTube promposals. Oh, Davey. Things are going so well. Ben actually apologizes to her for ruining her relationship with Pax. And she confesses to him that they never had sex. She just let the lie ride. Ben's like, okay, that explains why he's mad at you. Okay, cool. She told her nemesis first. Her house really is a safe haven. But Ben tries to make her feel better by telling her, yo, I got catfished by a 50-year-old <laughs> salesman from Tarzana. And their hand gestures here were hilarious. <laughs> At one point during this exchange, Davy's really cutting into him and Ben has to just tell her like, hey, I'm trying to be vulnerable with you right now. It seemed to me like at that moment where she's finally like, okay, well, what's going on in your life? It's like, it was really hard for her, but she, but she did it where she actually tried to care about someone else's feelings, except her own. (laughs) Like, oh, okay, well, maybe you're growing up a little bit. That was that was good to see a little bit of growth from her. The episode closes with a little short little clip of them being at school the next day. Ben and Shira doing their ignoring each other thing. And Davey texts him five dollars so he wouldn't have to eat with a pedo again. And the episode <laughs> closes there. In this episode, what did you find was for the culture? First of all, you know, Indian cooking, the joke is that when you ask your mom or grandmother for a recipe, what do they do? They don't give you the exact measurements of anything. They just tell you that you will know when you know. So I like the the briefest (laughs) second of Kamla teaching Davy how to cook. And she said, you know, only put one chili in and it was all about the flavor and the taste. So it's like, look at this tradition being passed on, but also they only put one chili in and Ben Ben was not having even that. And he oh, didn't even need the he didn't even need the thing that had the chili. He was eating the lemony potatoes that goes inside of the dosa. <laughs> <laughs> I I really also liked the the food and its importance in the culture and I thought that was a nice touch, especially that they were in the middle of the week having like a nice Indian dinner. Do we need to explain what doses is for the peoples? It's like a fermented crepe, like a savory, yeah. crispy crepe. Yes. And batter is a combination of fermented rice and or fermented urad, which is the black lentil, which is actually white. So what you do is you, you soak them, then you pulverize them and let them ferment with some fenugreek or baking soda. And then you make a wonderful, really thin crepe that's usually mm-hmm. stuffed with lemony potatoes. Mm-hmm. Now I want a dose and we're recording this close to 11, uh, close to midnight. Okay, that was my own fault. 
speaking of things that are terrible, like food cravings when you can't have them, what did you think was for the colonizer this week? I didn't like that we didn't really advance Kamala's or Nalini's storylines, but also, and, and I don't know if everyone else has had this experience, but I have consistently had this experience. There is no such thing as a same day dermatologist appointment, especially if you are brown, because there's <laughs> always some white person with a mole that's more important than your emergency. Like, I can't even imagine getting in to see a dermatologist for one zip. Like, it's like the mootness ripeness issue. <laughs> like, it would, like, the fucking pimple would have popped and been gone and probably scarred your face, and the scar is gone by the time your appointment comes around. Because I think the fastest I've ever been able to get in is six weeks. Wow. Well, Sherman Oaks moves different, apparently, mm -hmm. especially. If you're keeping the dermatologist's daughter on her toes. My for the culture is the whole episode. Because <laughs> where is the episode about Kamala? Kamala? Where, where is she at? We do, is she off working on her PhD? What's her research about? Does she have an advisor? What's going on? You know, we don't see her. We don't know nothing about Nalini. At all, but we get a whole ass episode about a lonely ass boy. I. <laughs> <laughs> well, from there, let's try and turn it around. What did you see as some of the positives in this episode? Well, there, I mean, okay, look, the episode was well written in general. This was a good episode. There were layers of things. One of the things I enjoyed was the zit metaphor. As Ben's days and, you know, moods kept getting worse and worse, that zit kept getting big and big. Like, the toxicity kept, you know, the toxicity levels of his life yeah. was represented by that zit. But also the music in this episode. I know we made note of the music in the Ganesh Puja episode and how it was anachronistic to the mood that was being set. But this episode, the lyrics that they chose from the songs, and I, I made note of the songs, the first song on the bus coming back from Model UN was slicked by Weaves in the first montage when he's making the worst layups anybody can make in private or public. It was Sleep Forever by <laughs> Portugal the Man. He kept putting his leg up like his legs made the number four in its shape when he would go for a layup. And I'm like, no, you're just supposed to put your leg up just a little bit, not not, not curve it at an angle like bend it at an angle it was weird anyway the second montage when everything was going wrong was make no mistake mrs blue by fabian simona and the moon machine and that was the only song that was credited in the entire episode because it appeared in the closed caption the final song at the end of the episode was lost by boy harsher yeah i i liked the music too i i feel like just Within the first five minutes, I had already noticed how good it was. Mm -hmm. And it kind of reminded me um, of Garden State and how Zach Braff imagines his work with, with really great soundtracks of like indie kind of lay yeah. down and be sad type music. Yeah. Now, what I found really positive in this episode was talking about being lonely because for toddlers, we talk about 
are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? And those are really like the four emotions that they cycle through. Like if something's wrong, it's one of those things. We don't acknowledge that as grownups. We acknowledge like hunger. Hanger. Yeah, hunger and anger. And um, at times tired, but not lonely. Like, and, and it's almost like it's embarrassing to admit that you're lonely. But Ben was through the whole episode. He was just crying out for some connection and it and it was sad but it was also super relatable I thought I thought it was relatable too and and you just said something that triggered a memory or a thought in me about you know we both read a lot of Brene Brown and I think the perception that you were describing there is that to admit you're lonely is to admit that you're you have a weakness, right? Like you're not strong enough and not that you have a weakness. It's just that you're not strong enough to not be alone. And later on in the episode, Ben is telling Davey, Hey, I'm being vulnerable with you. And you know, if you read Brene Brown and things like that, you know, it takes strength to actually be vulnerable. So Ben Mm -hmm. is a strong person. Andy Samberg does say that he's resilient and he always, you know, bounces back. It's just he's having a moment where he needs to be seen, you know, as the truth of his life rather than what he projects. Yeah. Now, what did you find problematic about this episode? This may be kind of stupid, but it really bothered me that Nalini went and violated Ben's HIPAA rights by shouting to her daughter that he was in her office earlier in the day like good doctors don't do that and I I mean I know it's funny for the point of the show but I just don't imagine that Nalini would really do something like that because she's a really good doctor and she you know probably has told Davey plenty of cautionary tales of I have a patient who blah 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 without connecting the dots imagine like what if she was like a gynecologist or a urologist you want to you want her talking about your business exactly very intimate like actually the inside of you (laughs) yeah so now ben has to decide do i do i give up same day dermatology service for restoration of my privacy (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's his burden to bear okay do that his dad's a lawyer I know. Speaking of lawyer, that is what my problematic is for this episode. We know that Ben is Jewish. It's been mentioned. He's had a bar mitzvah before. And so at the beginning of the episode, Andy Samberg mentions that, you know, why am I doing this voiceover? It's because I owe my lawyer a favor. And so you have, I don't know if that's anti-Semitic, I just feel like based on what we know, what people think about, you know, the stereotypes about Jewish people, this one again is, it's kind of like, you know, when you have, when you're editing a photo or something and you're changing the opacity of something to make it more see-through, this is like 50% opaque. It's not all the way there touching that stereotype, but it's doing something. And then I also had a problem with Shira. I've established really early on in this show that I am an old, grumpy woman. And so Shira really didn't do much for me with her vocal fry voice and her inability to take Ben seriously. Like, you're his one friend. Like, you can't see that. Moving on to 
our favorite line or character of the episode this time and why. I really liked that moment where Kamla dropped the pot lid on purpose to try and drown out the argument coming through the vents. And she thought that it would clatter longer. Just the awkwardness. And honestly, I've never heard a pot not clatter, a pot lid not clatter. So I thought that was hilarious. What about you? Is yelling common in your house? We are Caribbean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like yelling, and, and it wasn't mean yelling, but just my mom was always yelling, like up the stairs to us to see if we wanted dosa. Like, and up the stairs to yeah, to see who wanted the first one. And did you want potatoes in it? And did you want coconut chutney with it? Or did you want mint chutney? Like everything was yelling. And then yelling to my dad to ask him the same thing or yelling at me to go outside to yell at my dad while he's mowing the lawn to ask him what he wants to drink or just <laughs> everything was yelling all the time and I I like that I mean like I know it was only in the context of a fight but I like the loudness of the house because it reminded me of my house our house was also so loud that when we moved into the second one <laughs> we installed an intercom system that promptly broke <laughs> <laughs> so we wouldn't have to keep yelling because we moved from a one story to a two story so you know we thought the intercom would help but no yeah and it was just like ah yes this is an Indian house <laughs> <laughs> I also really enjoyed seeing them have dosas on a weeknight like god damn it I wish I could have a dosa on every weeknight or even just one weeknight would be fine, but oh man, if I could have South Indian food on a weeknight, it would it would make my life. I don't even have a tava. Please do not shame me. I have the dosa premix in my in my cabinet because I'm not gonna wait for beans to ferment. <laughs> it is quarantine. That's all you got is time. Just ferment it. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe but i have the the well i have to practice making the thinness of the batters what about predictions <laughs> as far as baby i was really glad to see that tiny little bit of growth that we saw at the end of the episode where she acknowledged that ben did her a solid and she tried her best to care about his feelings I don't want to hate on her too much because I bet you when I was that age, like when I was boy crazy, nobody could get in between me and what I was thinking, right? Like as much as I want to hate on her, I really don't think I can. <laughs> well, I'm not going to hate on her either, except I know that I would, if given the opportunity, go back and hate on myself mm -hmm. when I behaved like this because, oh my gosh, I remember I was a mess. My prediction for Davey is that her friends are going to find out that Ben knew before the truth before they did. And there's going to be some blowback from that. I don't think that this is, you know, without consequence because she, the last yeah. time we saw her with them, she yelled at them. And now here she is not being real with them or not talking to them. What about Nalini? I think she does so many things really, really well. I'm just still waiting to catch some more backstory on her. I, I, I don't feel like I really, really connect with her. I just, I need to know a little bit more. 
All we know about her at this point is that she's a widow. She's a dermatologist. She's trying to be a good mom. She's an auntie. We don't know much about her. I agree. And so that makes me a little annoyed that we wasted an episode on Ben, you know, when you could have just, you could have easily gotten a story about loneliness from Nalini. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Now, for Kamala, I thought that she added some lightness to the episode. She was very cute and very funny. But God, I wanted more. Like, just like Nalini, I just I want more. I want to know more about the brown women. Let's acknowledge that, you know, Ben, quote unquote, cried in the dermatologist's office because he found out about this family dinner routine. And Nalini was like, yes, every every evening we have dinner together because we're a family. And so Kamala is making dinner. And in a previous episode, you found out that she made lemonade. So the assumption here is this nightly routine would not occur if not for Kamala being there and, and executing it. So now I wonder, is she taking the role that Mohan played here? Because, you know, Nalini arrived home late from work. So would Mohan be cooking dinner? Like you're saying, it would have been good to explore that in a whole episode. How does Kamala feel? Her role is in the family. You know, all these things. It would have been a nice story. Ah, Well, thank you for joining us. We will see you next time for Never Have I Ever Been a Big Fat Liar. Late Bloomers, the web series, the podcast is produced and edited by Rashi Raj and Pooja Maharaj. Until next time. Don't forget to wash your face. Hashtag skincare self-care. Bye. Goodbye.